Okay, I am here with Ulysses, and uh, we are going to make this recording in hopes of trying to figure out what happened, what occurred, and uh, and frankly, you're the first survivor, Ulysses, that I've met. You can just call me Yuli. Yuli, all right, Yuli. You're the first survivor I met of your age, so your story is very interesting to us. So it's a safe place to record. There are no screens. You just tell us what happened. I see you brought your notebook. So you're going to have time when you're done. You just stop recording, and then we'll pick it up at a later time. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay. Take care. All right. We were surprised at how it all happened. Starting slow, but ending with hundreds of millions of people dead. All within about the span of five days. A business week, if you think about it. There was no good way to bury the dead. Not all of them. Not ever. Not a quarter of a billion people in North America alone. Think of the logistics. There aren't enough bulldozers or shovels to take on that kind of job. Consider the manpower needed. Who even decides where to put all the bodies? The government or the military? Europe, they say, at the same way. South America, Australia, and Oceania were bad, but not as bad as the cataclysmic proportions of the Northern Hemisphere. They say China was hit hard, but news from China didn't come very often. Three months after it all happened, we were still hearing about almost nothing. We heard the Japanese and South Koreans were more or less decimated. Since Asia is so far away from the eastern seaboard of the U.S. where we live, we didn't think about it much. We had our own problems. If you're hearing this, you're probably wondering what exactly happened. Truth is, I'm trying to make sense of it all myself. A few weeks ago, I found this composition book from an old high school we walked through. We slept in the gym because there weren't any screens. Not a television screen, desktop, or laptop screen. Not even a security camera. How do we know? We're experts. I just finished 7th grade. I'm the youngest. Tyler and Max are going into 10th grade. Xavier is going into 9th. Slim Chance will be going to school this fall. So I've been in this particular gym last November for a first away basketball game. We had a lot of fun playing in that game since it was an actual high school gym, not a small gym where we used to, where we were used to playing in. Since I remember how it looked, I volunteered to recon the gym before we all headed inside for the night. It was safer, drier, and much more comfortable sleeping inside whenever we could, even if we had no beds. That's pretty much how we had been doing it since the four of us got together. Whenever we got into a new building to sleep, get food, or gather whatever supplies we can find, one of us volunteers to go in first to reconnoiter the area for screens, dead bodies, weirdos, rats, or anything else we want to avoid. It doesn't take much imagination to figure out what you don't want to see, especially when you've seen it more than once. Except for a coating of dust on everything, the gym was empty. I told the guys to stay away from the gym teacher's office because there would likely be a computer screen in there. As long as we stayed in the gym and didn't wander the halls, we agreed we should be okay. Through the windows at the very top of the gym, we could see it was starting to get dark. As we set up our sleeping bags on the gym floor, then we, then we walked back outside together one last time to take a leak before coming back in to secure the exterior doors, take off our shoes, and slide into our bags. It was a routine we developed over a period of a few weeks. That night, I, I remember turning my head and seeing a gap under the bleachers where kids had dropped all kinds of stuff since the last time the janitors had cleaned under the bleachers. Maybe I had just imagined seeing this stuff since kids are always dropping stuff under the bleachers. I unzipped my bag, walked over, and slid sideways between the wall and the bleachers to get under them. 
Just barely able to see in the gloom, I bent down and picked up a manila-colored composition book, which was empty, except for the first page, which had some anime drawings. Pretty cool-looking figures with big eyes and long hair. The rest of the book was blank. I was more happy to find that book with all the blank pages than I had been when we got into the grocery store two days earlier and find an entire shelf of canned fruit cocktail, all for the taking. That day, we took as much as we could carry in our backpacks and our bellies, binging ourselves on peaches and light syrup, mixed fruit cup and heavy syrup, and pineapples and natural juices. I especially liked those little cherries in the mixed fruit cans. Because of what we had come to believe about screens, we stayed away from the checkout lanes at the front of the store and the seafood and deli sections in the back where there were registers and scales. We kept our eyes down and baseball caps pulled low to cover our eyes as much as possible. That had been a good day. Gorging ourselves on fruit cup, finding this little composition book under the bleachers made me feel like I might be a normal kid again. As my eyes adjusted to the gloom, I began to see other stuff on the ground. Darker objects, like four or five pens and a couple of pencils, which I picked up and slid into my right cargo pocket. I hadn't seen a pen or pencil in weeks since we stayed clear of any place that might have a scream, which pretty ruled out, which pretty much ruled out all offices, businesses, and schools. I took one last look under the bleachers and saw a red Phillies hat and one black mitten. I picked them both up and shoved them in my backpack. You never know when something might come in handy, and that's how I acquired this journal you're reading. I know that was a real roundabout way of telling a story, but since I'm so excited to get it all about before I forget it, I'm not really focusing on the important stuff. Like screen death. Here's what I know about it. We were, we were in our last week of school, which was the first week in June. The time when most public schools in central Pennsylvania break for the summer. Students in my school had turned in their Chromebooks to their homeroom teachers for the summer, but nearly everyone had cell phones. During this same week, teachers, I guess, were entering student grades on their laptops and ending their school year with online in-service training. No doubt employees from CEOs to middle management and cashiers to custodians were checking email, running spreadsheets, and doing whatever adults do on their computers while at work. Others were texting checking baseball scores, or playing games on their phones. Point is, hundreds of millions of people were hit that week. That is, everyone online was hit. At least, that's what Xavier told me. Until all this happened, I knew him as a quiet black kid I saw in school once in a while at lunch in the halls. He claims to be a hacker, but I have no idea how good he is. He told me that he hacked into the school's online graybooks to change his grades, bought concert tickets, and got through some big-time firewalls he can't talk about. I don't know. If it's a lie, it's a perfect, perfect one since I can't ever get him to prove it. Xavier said he was online Wednesday night, the day before the last day of school, when he was jolted off, off his chair from a blast of light. It was like a tiny ball of lightning, only instead of one big strike, it was like 50 or 100 blasts in quick su succession, he told me. Xavier likes to throw out big words like succession sometimes. He said uh, he had a hard time breathing after he saw the blast of light. At first, I felt like I had the wind knocked out of me. Then I felt like I didn't want to breathe anymore. It was so weird, he explained. Like my mind was telling my body not to do it. Telling, me, telling my body not to breathe. Can you believe that? No, that's crap, I said. How could anyone not want to breathe? We just breathe, like it or not. That's just it, Yuli. We are made to breathe. It's involuntary. I believe that pulse of light made it so I would choose to stop breathing. Like my mind was supposed to tell my body not to breathe anymore. So why are you still here then, dummy? I challenged. Because I had to tell myself to keep breathing. And I was wearing these glasses at the time, he said, tapping the metal frame, grinning broadly. 
Cool sunglasses, I said. They're not sunglasses. I wear them online so my pupils never view anything directly. Essentially, they record everything first before I see it. Only a tiny fraction of a second delay, mind you, but it's not real, real time, you understand. Not only that, they're built to filter and shut down if overloaded. That's why I'm still here. The glasses filtered out most of what hit me, so I only got a slight burst. The glasses deflected the punch. So you think the reason everyone is gone is because the blast from their cell phone or computer ended up killing them, I said. That's right, Xavier said. And you just happened to be wearing them, I said. He nodded. Who would do that to people, I asked. I'm not sure, but I'm guessing we'll find a lot of people were killed by it while others lived. You figure a lot of old people rarely go online, and probably a lot of poor people in the city and the country don't either. Probably the same for a lot of little kids, too. Beyond that, all kinds of people use cell phones and computers every day. It doesn't look good, Uli, Savior said to me, pushing his glasses up on his nose. He didn't have to tell me that. My neighborhood was like a ghost town already. People dropped dead throughout that week. I, I heard the first death started making the news on Wednesday. By Thursday morning... There was no news. Apparently, there were no cameramen, news anchors, or reporters to produce the news or air it. In a few days, the blackout started with no one running the power grid, I guess. Computers must have been running some things because there were, there was power here and there. I saw people on the streets sitting in their cars. Dead. Their heads hanging down and their mouths open, kept more or less upright by their seatbelts. Some adults were lying in the streets presumably checking texts while walking around after work in the early evening. Seemed like they just dropped right there, cell phone in hand. I saw phones whenever I saw a body. No doubt more bodies were in their homes, but I stopped looking after I made the mistake of checking on my next-door neighbor. Apparently, old Mrs. Scott used a computer because I found her collapsed on her keyboard. I never checked on anyone else after that. I'll spare you the details. Like I said, you don't have to imagine very for very long how gruesome it is. It's one thing seeing dead people in the street, but it's something else when you're all alone with them in their house. Beyond creepy.